We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Mike Lynch here. Hey, and I'm Patrick Harris. You probably like baseball, which is why you're listening to this. This is the uh, Hot Corner Podcast. Well, I kind of like baseball. I guess I'll tune in. Baseball's pretty neat, so... Thanks for listening. This is brought to you by your local Les Schwab Tire Center. Doing the right thing since 1952. Woo, baseball! This is the Hot Corner with Harrison Lynch. Bregman would like to get him to scamper home. Two on, two out. Tenth inning. That's in the air to left. Here comes Fisher. Throw by Ethier. Astros win! A deep dive on baseball. Wade Boggs is a Hall of Fame third baseman. The man's a legend. And much more. He drank 50 beers on a cross-country flight and absolutely destroyed the Seattle Mariners the next day, okay? (laughs) The number of beers is actually highly disputed. Some say 50, some said as many as 70 beers. Which is an absolutely insane amount of beer. Nobody can drink that much. Not with an attitude like that. Now here are your hosts for the Hot Corner. Patrick Harris. The seven-foot kid that strokes it with the acne on his back. Then Mike Lynch. Excuse me, he looks really hot. On 1080 The Fan. Hey, bada, 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 sawing, bada. Hey, hit records on my demo. Did y'all boys not get the memo? I do not it is a Harris-less edition of the Hot Corner tonight. Mike and Joe with you all the way until 9 p.m. Talking some hot baseball talk. And uh, I do have got a lot of stuff to get to today. I would like to discuss the King Felix situation in Seattle. I think it is very interesting what's happening with him and the decision that Scott Service and the uh, the front office is about to have to make on Felix Hernandez. I'd like to talk about the Mariners in general as they are in the midst of a potential collapse, although I do have a slightly positive viewpoint on it as well, even though it doesn't look very good right now. I'd like to talk about the Boston Red Sox and how they will never lose another game and they will set the wins record in Major League Baseball and go on to win the World Series because they are amazing and unbeatable. And that's, I know it sounds sarcastic and you know that I'm a Yankee fan, but honestly, the Red Sox are freaking amazing and we have to talk about how good they are right now. 80 wins already, 80 and 34. 80 and 34, about to be 81 and 34. Think about, just think about that record and how unbelievable it is. So we'll get to that. Uh, I didn't see this until Joe texted me about it, but Mike Barrett had the takeover of the Portland Diamond Project Twitter and responded to some questions there. So we'll look at some of his responses and try to see if we can read between the lines a bit because I'm certain Mike Barrett was uh, cryptic, as he has been very good at being recently. So that's all coming up on the show today. Oh, and and fourth, Farrah is coming up at 830 as always. Uh, the text line is the Better You Today text line at 55305. You could also find us on Twitter. I'm at Mike Lynch 27 And Joe is at JoeFish3, F-I-S-C-H-3. And the station is at 1080 The Fan. Also, don't forget to listen to the Beers on Us podcast with Patrick and I, posting every Thursday at 4 p.m. That includes tomorrow, which is our first brewery takeover on the podcast where we went to Stormbreaker's new location in St. John's. 
and did the entire podcast from there. So that's coming up tomorrow. Nice. Yes. Nice. Um, and we will, uh, so listen to episodes one and two, which is already up on iTunes, Google play and on, uh, attending to the fan.com. You can also rate and review and subscribe to us, please. Thank you. Um, and then, uh, yeah, listen, uh, listen tomorrow for that one as well. You know, nice, uh, one nice shameless plug there. I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to plug it every single, uh, every single Wednesday. One per show. Yeah. That's, that, that's good. That's the limit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm not going to take credit for it. Cause I'm sure you being the smart man that you are working hard. Uh, but I told you, you need to do some on location podcasts at some breweries. I was like, I think that'd be great just to get the vibe of kind of hearing the background noise, kind of like the club hour. Um, but like I said, you know, I, I told you guys, you guys should do that, but I'm sure you guys were already on top of it thinking of that. Well, I'm actually sure. the first person, and I'm, and I'm sure that, that this person is listening at the moment to suggest this was my mother. Ha <laughs> She mom knows best. When I told her about the podcast, she was like, Hey, you should figure out if you can go out and do on location stuff and record at the, at the brewery. And I was like, I think we should be able to do that, but I honestly have no idea. So I had to ask the engineers and, hey, do we have any equipment that can do this? And they said yes, and there we go. So now once a month we're going to do it. We're going to go out to a brewery and do a, a brewery takeover once a month, and uh, it starts off with Stormbreaker tomorrow when it drops. It was cool. It was, uh, it was a little bit weird doing it there, and this is it's kind of a behind-the-curtain thing for all radio. It's not just about a podcast, but because uh, I've done live shows before, um on location shows when we're out doing events and stuff people all looking at you and stuff that's the weird thing is what are those guys doing you're sitting in the studio and you know you're just one or two people you know that it's soundproofed you can talk as loudly or as quietly <laughs> as you want all right i'm starting to think of it a little bit now like the elements but when you're on location you're sitting somewhere right um in this instance, we were sitting in a corner booth that was reserved for us. Thing very nice by Stormbreaker, and um, nobody was really sitting around us because we got there right as they opened, like eleven a.m. or eleven thirty a.m. But as the restaurant started to fill in, I was facing towards the window. Patrick was facing towards the inside. He said we constantly got weird looks because we were we had our headphones on and with the mic attached, right? So it blocks out all the outside noise. So you're just hearing what's going into the microphone. So we're probably talking loud like radio guys talk. And then apparently we were getting looks all the time. Like, why are they laughing so loud? Well, because we're recording a podcast. God, those guys are having a really good time. I want to be over there. It's noon. How much beer did they have already? <laughs> well, I only had a sampler tray, so please don't judge me on that. But um, but yeah, so go ahead and go listen to that. I've also tweeted it a bunch of times at Mike Lynch 27 with links. And I've put the Twitter handles of the people that we've uh, we've been on with. Uh, we went to Grains of Wrath, which is in Camus in episode two. Um, and talked to Mike Huntsker from there. In episode one, we spoke with uh, John Harris from Ecliptic, although that was on the phone. So that's kind of what we've done so far. So shameless plug for Beers on This Podcast. Very nice. If I can make one suggestion for you, if you want to do an on-location show, because I just went there, I believe, Sunday, uh, Bailey's Tap Room, which is downtown, right next okay. to the Independent Sports Bar. Okay, so right nice, next to the Mary's Club. Yeah, nice vibe. Um, lots of good beer on tap, different beers I've never heard of before. From the main guys, but also just some off the chart ones. Had okay. a good Barley Browns there. Um, little Baker City action. Yeah, definitely got that in me, and uh, had a nice little red that was on tap on cask. So uh, they have some good stuff there, and like I said, I had a, it was a good vibe, good people there. So uh, Bailey's Tap Room, I would say, jot that down in the old location notes. Okay, I will. Yeah, um, we've had actually ever since this started, we've had a bunch of people 
oh, do this, do, drink this, try this, well, go there. Less about the drink this and more about the go here, go here, go here. Yeah. So I'm making a little notes on my iPhone list of places, but we've got places we want to go as well. Um, we're trying to make Block 15 and Corvallis be the next on location one. Block 15. That's a really, really good one. Uh, road trip. Road trip. Um, it's a really good one. We I've, we both like their beer a lot, but I don't think either of us have been down there. So that hmm. might that might be where our second location was. That's not locked down yet or anything. Well, but. man, if you guys are going to go that far, you might as well make the stretch to the better beer city down in Eugene. You know, hit up Hop Valley. I mean, um, I've, I've been to Hop Valley, yes. But been I mean, Nikasi, you, you should do that. Well, I think what we're actually going to do is that could be a separate thing. We would do Corvallis and then go through McMinnville and try some of the breweries down there on the way back home and then make Eugene a separate trip. Ah, yeah. I think that's what it would be. Yeah. You that'd got- be a pretty long day of drinking a lot of beer to do Corvallis, then down to Eugene, then all oh, the way back no. up. Oh, no. I wouldn't expect you to do both cities. No. That's what you just said. No, I'm just Make saying. Make the drive down that same day. I'm just saying if you're willing to go Corvallis, then you should be able to willing to go to Eugene as well at a separate time. And yeah, it should be its own thing. It deserves its own day. Just like Bend. That, that probably deserves its own weekend. Oh, God. Yeah, we're going to have to tackle Bend at some point. <laughs> the My wife and I went to Bend solely to do beer tasting. It was actually last year when we were taking our road trip to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And our first day, we just we, we spent the night in Bend. And we walked the entire city, and we did Deschutes, Boneyard, Crux, another one I'm forgetting, Good Life, Sun River, and one more. There's two I forgot, all in one day. And we we were walking the whole way, which was kind of nice. After, like, the fifth stop, it was like a mile or two walk to get to the next one. We were stumbling, bumbling, rumbling all the way down Bend, all the way to the next place. I think we might be good. (laughs) We didn't stop, though. We were champions. We also went to sleep at like 8 p.m. (laughs) because we got out of the last place and we're like, I think I need to go to bed now. (laughs) We have a long drive ahead of us. Uh, So listen to that, please. Much appreciated if you do. And then rate and review and subscribe to us. Let's take a break. Coming up next, let's start with Felix Hernandez and the interesting case of King Felix. This is the Hot Corner on 1080 The Fan. This is the Hot Corner with Harrison Lynch on 1080 The Fan. 716 here on the Hot Corner. Patrick's out today, so it's just myself and Joe taking you until 9 o'clock. King Felix yesterday got absolutely lit up by the Texas Rangers. Six innings, eight hits, 11 runs, seven of them earned, three home runs, four walks while only striking out two batters. That start pushed his ERA on the year to a toasty 5-7-3. That's bad. If your ERA is near six in August, you should not be a starting pitcher anymore. I was waiting for you to tell me that it surpassed six because he's been floating around the mid-five, upper five this whole season, I feel like. The last time he was over six was in April, so he's been below it at least. The closest he had been was 5-8-3 in May, and then it dropped drastically, and now it's back up again. So 5-7-3. I mean, that's that's fifth starter slash out-of-the-rotation numbers right there. That's atrocious. And King Felix is a guy who, of course, deserves a chance to get out of the funk. He has been doing it for so long for the Mariners and and playing so well for the Mariners over the entirety of his 13-year career that of course he deserves a chance to break out of it. But the Mariners are in a playoff race. 
They are currently losing a lot of games they shouldn't be losing, and they need to they need to make a change. And I honestly think the time as a starting pitcher for Felix Hernandez is done with the Seattle Mariners. Scott Service has come out today and said that they're thinking about what to do with King Felix's next start, which is against Houston. Um, it seems to me that they might take him out of the rotation, at least for that start. And to be honest, I, I'm telling you this, I think it's time. I think for this season, you move into the bullpen, you need bullpen help, and maybe he'll be good in that scenario. Um, and you try to put someone else in the rotation. I heard Rosmer Ramirez is coming back from his injury. He's two uh, rehab starts away from coming back. Not that he's necessarily better than King Felix, but I think most pitchers right now are better than a 5-7-3 ERA. As weird as that is to say, um, I think it's time. I, I love I love what King Felix did. I love the King's court that safe go, but the results speak for themselves. It's not good. Well, and I'm trying to think of who would take his place. Erasmo Ramirez would be the, the that option. Would be it. Yeah. And like I, I'm saying, that's not a name that is sexy. He's not a better pitcher than Felix Hernandez, but yes, he is. Right now he is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like anybody's going to do better in that fifth slot at this point. I was looking at this. Felix, in his last five starts, has two, four, six, seven, 14 strikeouts combined. Six starts? His last five starts, he has 14 strikeouts. <laughs> and if we take away that start against the White Sox, who strike out every game 10 times, CC Sabathia just had 12 strikeouts against them yesterday. He has... Seven strikeouts in four games. That's that sucks. Where he went five innings. I'm going to include the White Sox starting again. Five innings, five innings, two and two thirds, five innings, and they left him in for six yesterday, which was a big mistake. And when I say that sucks, obviously, like clearly, that does suck. That is not pitching well. But I just, I just feel so bad for Felix at this point because he gave so many great years during bad performances on the offensive end, and then now when they've like somewhat finally got it going with the bats, obviously that not of as of late, but finally this is the year where it's kind of seems like they could give him some run support, at least this year, mainly maybe somewhat last year, but this is what you're getting out of Felix now. And it's almost like too little too late. You know, I think the problem too is at least for the Mariners is he kept showing signs of turning around in June. He had a couple of good stars for only gave up one run. Right, right. He's um, been super inconsistent this year up and down, but it's getting to the point where it's, you're getting more bad performances than good. Right. And again, the ERA screams take me out of the rotation at 573. It's been, I, like I said, it's been around, around that the whole season. So it's not getting better. I, it's really hard because we've seen a lot of pitchers go through this formerly dominant aces or dominant number two starters. As they get older, they lose the velocity on their fastball, but they can't relearn how to pitch. They can't figure out how to turn into, oh, I don't know, Bartolo Colon, right? A guy who has no velocity anymore. He throws like 89 miles an hour constantly. Yet, I mean, not that he's great, but he's still pitching in the majors and being effective at it most of the time. A guy like uh, Jamie Moyer, who turned into the changeup artist. A guy like Mike Mucina, who stayed long past where his velocity was gone. A guy like CC Sabathia, who can't throw over 90 anymore. Um, you have to be able to realize when it's time, 
and try to change into a control placement pitcher and not rely on the velocity of your fastball. Now, Felix Hernandez in the post game yesterday, I didn't see this, but Rob told me this uh, during the show today, basically said, I, I, I don't, I don't have it. I'm not the same pitcher anymore. And to hear him say that makes me think he's been trying to do that. He's been trying to become the corner painting artist and he's failing because he doesn't have the control because before screw the control. If you're throwing 96, you can, you could misplace that fastball and you're fine because it's still 96 miles an hour. But now when you're throwing 92, 91, 90, you got to have it all over the plate. You got to It's got locations be, different and you got to hit them too. It's got to be pinpoint. Yeah. Because if you leave one up, that's a home run. Yeah. If you leave one in over the plate, that's a double down the line. And we've seen a lot of pitchers do it. And, and maybe, maybe being taken out of the rotation this year is that extra wake up call he needs to say, let me figure out how to become this pitcher because I want to see Felix Hernandez stick around for the next couple of years and learn how to become that pitcher before he rides off into the sunset. I want that. I like watching him pitch, but if he's admitting defeat at this point in the season in a playoff race, maybe he can't become that pitcher. And that's a sad end for a guy who's been as dominant as King Felix was right now. Text on the better you today. Text line says that they were kind of surprised. Seattle didn't go out and add another arm. Are you guys surprised as well? I mean, yes. Yeah, I am. Honestly, I mean, with everybody else making moves, um, Yankees obviously added some bullpen help. Red Sox, I and think two they, starters. they added an arm. Um, then you also had the A's. They just picked up Mike Fires Monday. Yep. Yankees added J-Hap, Lance Lynn, and Zach Britton. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Lance Lynn just had a dominant performance. Thank God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the Red Sox added Nathan Eovaldi, who's been pitching great for them. Yeah. Two and it, scoreless starts. Mike Fires actually not a bad pitcher on a terrible Tigers team. Yeah, that's. I mean, that once you get into the waiver trades, I mean, you're not going to have a lot of Verlanders. You're going to have a lot. I mean, we had that last year, but you're going to have a lot more Mike Fires getting dealt than you're going to see Justin Verlanders getting dealt. And I guess the Mariners could still make a move if someone puts a, a pitcher on waivers and they can make that trade. But for for Jerry Depoto, who is Mister Trade, the fact that he was in on so many starters and didn't get any of them is pretty surprising. And it doesn't help that the three relievers that they got so far have not pitched well. And we'll get to that. I want to save that because I want to talk Mariners next segment outside of King Felix. But they definitely should have gotten a starting pitcher because, A, do you really trust that Wade LeBlanc is going to keep pitching like this? No. You hope he does. You sign him to an extension, but I don't don't know if you can trust him. He's been awesome. I mean, he's been great, but, I mean, it's just – Mar- I don't think Mariners fans can even say that they trust him. So. Marco Gonzalez. Uh, he just al- got shelled today. Although his numbers are good, some of his uh, peripheral stats, like batting average on balls in play and stuff like that, are not good. So I, when I when I first saw him, I want to say I first watched a full start of his like in, in late May or something like that. And I was looking at his stats and I went, wow, his ERA is great. But he gives up a lot of hits. He walks a lot of guys. There's always guys on base. At some point, this is going to come back to bite him. He has not been quite as good in the second half of the season. You definitely needed a starting pitcher. I was shocked they didn't get a starting pitcher. The only the only flip side to that is the Mariners have one of the worst farm systems in baseball. So if you're going to go out and get a starting pitcher, you got to give up something. The Mariners don't have a lot to give up. Good point. The Mariners have, frankly, nothing to give up. You know who they gave up? They gave up their best hitting prospect to get Marco Gonzalez, Tyler O'Neill last year. Uh who's on the Cardinals now. That's right. Um, 
maybe their second best hitting prospect. I forget exactly what it was, but they don't have a good bull a good minor league system. So not, not necessarily a lot to work with unless, unless you're trading a current roster player, but who would the Mariners trade then for a good starter? You can't. I mean, you're probably going to say, Oh, Robbie Cano, but honestly, I think that at this point, a, they need him and B. I think the Mariners, they might just be packing it in and getting ready for next year. I, I don't know if you've looked at their schedule, the rest of the rest of the season out. Um, but besides, you know, the Rangers, their divisional opponents, the only rough series that they have or easy series that they have are two series against the Padres. You know, and some people will say they got an easy series against the Orioles, but those are the kind of teams you don't want to face late in the season are my Orioles. They'll come and bite you, you know. Look at that. Take three games from the Mariners real quick. Look at you trying to be all posy over here. So, uh, but yeah, go and look at the Mariners schedule. They're in the middle of a 10-game road stretch. This is a really rough month, yeah. Um, But I swear, it's like they only play the Padres in two series, and then they get the Orioles in a series. And other than that, it's all divisional opponents. And then the Yankees, the Red Sox, some of the best teams in the al so it's it's not going to be easy for this next little road stretch and for the rest of the season out it's almost i think about time to put a a fork in the mariners honestly well we'll get to that next because i'm not so certain about that but i want to read this text real quick on the better you today text line 55305 just tell him to go on the justin verlander program where he was at 91 92 miles per hour at the tigers got traded to houston and is back throwing 95 as goes for charlie morton Prime example, Matt Harvey was at 91, 92, and now he's hit 98 with the, for the Reds. How does that make sense? Oh, yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> Just going to, I want to let that breathe because. Well, it makes perfect sense. I think for a lot the of Mariners. people, a lot of people believe it that. makes perfect sense for the Mariners. Trade him away from Seattle. He goes somewhere else and starts to shine. Retouches that 96, 97 mm. fastball. <laughs> that would be such a Mariners thing. All right. Coming up next, let's talk about the Mariners current situation. I have a slightly positive look at it and, uh, Try to cheer you Mariner fans up a little bit as uh, they dropped another one of the Rangers today. This is the Hot Corner. Here's Joe with sports. This is the Hot Corner with Harrison Lynch on 1080 The Fan. 7.34 here, Wednesday evening. No Patrick, just Mike and Joe with you today until 9 p.m talking some Mariners at the moment as they are in the midst of what a lot of Mariner fans are calling a collapse. And I am hesitant to say that just yet, but they entered the second half of the season at 58 and 39. And they are now 65 and 50. If you do the math, that is seven and eleven since the All Star break, so you know that's not like epic collapse or anything, but it's it's not it's not good for a team that was in the playoff race. Obviously, they have since fallen out of the second wild card spot because the A's are on a huge winning streak or consistent winning streak, I should say, not straight, but winning a lot. Now, I want to preface this with this: I know why Mariner fans are already all off the bandwagon and ready to call off the season. I understand. Uh, trust me. I, I, I talk to John every night and I hear the excuses and the reasons and all the, and all the history and the past of losing. I get it. I mean, I, I don't, I don't get it, but I get it right. I don't, I don't support the Mariners. So I haven't been following it game in and game out, but I understand why you feel that way. But 
my big positive look moving forward for the Mariners, there's kind of there's two positive looks that are attached to this. The first is it's August 8th. You still have a month and three weeks of the season left. If this was happening later in the season, you have a giant cause for concern. But there's a reason why they call it the dog days of August in baseball is because teams have been playing every day for four months and a lot of even good teams, a lot of them, the Astros are going through this right now too, frankly. Um, the Yankees are going through this right now. Not the Red Sox. We'll talk about that next. Um, a lot of teams go through iffy streaks at this time of the year and then turn it back on in September when they need to turn it back on. So at least it's happening now, I will say. It's better to have a losing streak now than it is later. The other thing is, I do not believe in the Oakland A's. I don't. They've basically played, they've had the best record in baseball since they started this streak. And Joe and I were looking at, looking at it back uh, in the break there. They were 34 and 36 on June 15th. 34 and 36 on June 15th. And right now, after their loss to the Dodgers last night, they are 67 and 47. <laughs> 30-ish wins, 10-ish, 10-ish losses. I think, what is it? It's 33 and 11 or something like that is the record, something like that since that point. That is obscene. That's even better than the Red Sox have been since June 15th. But here's the thing. Oakland has been playing largely pretty easy teams since that point. Since June 15th, they have played the Angels, the Padres, the White Sox, the Tigers, the Indians twice, so that's a good team, the Padres, Astros, good team, Giants, eh, they're kind of weird and inconsistent. Texas, Colorado, they're good. Toronto, not good. Detroit, not good. Most of that winning streak, most of this, this positive part of the season for the A's is against Cupcakes. So you could say they're beating teams they're supposed to beat, absolutely, especially if they're going to be a playoff team. But they haven't exactly been tested. They just got swept by Colorado a couple of series ago in Colorado. And, you know, they've been kind of back and forth with the Astros a little bit in, in some of those series. So for that reason, I think that the A's will eventually, when they start playing some tougher teams, which are coming up on the schedule, they've got some tough slates coming up. They play Angels, Seattle, Houston, back to back to back. Not that the Angels are a tough team necessarily, but it's important divisional games. They play Astros, Seattle, Yankees, back to back to back. Um, and then, you know, kind of kind of easy end of September. But they've got some tough stretches coming up for them that I think you might see the, the, the seams start to break a bit on the A's. Yeah, and, you know, once we went over that schedule that they've had and the the record they've had over the last 40 something games, you did sway me in the direction that, yeah, they've, this might have to cool down at some point, but if that's the case, that's where I do compare their uh, upcoming schedule to the Mariners. And, you know, they do have even more cupcakes than the Mariners do going forward. I mean, looking at it, you get, they get the Rays, they get Baltimore, uh, they get Texas. Obviously that's divisional game important. You were saying, but they get Minnesota. I'm pretty sure they get Minnesota twice. They get a four game series with Minnesota. They end the season with the angels. Um, 
And then they get, uh, oh, I already said the Rays, but I feel like those are some pretty solid or pretty solid matchups yeah. in favor of them, whereas the Mariners are playing the Padres twice and the Orioles once. And, and the rest are just, yeah, tough yeah, right matchups. Now, the, the Mariners' schedule is very tough. So Arizona is a good team. This is their schedule, just quickly. Houston, Oakland, Dodgers, Houston, Arizona are their next five series. Then San Diego, then Oakland, Baltimore, Yankees, Padres, Angels, Astros, Rangers, A's, Rangers. So I don't they, count. They got to beat the Rangers at the end of the year. That's what we got to yeah, do. Yeah, and I don't. I try not to count divisional games because I feel like those, those are always all, tough. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, that's where I say that looking at all of them because Arizona's good. They've been inconsistent, but they can. They they've been in the race for the NLS the whole year. It's really those four games against the Padres, the three against the Baltimore Orioles, and then the rest is a crapshoot. So and that's where it's just like you look at that. And then the A's schedule, and the A's, they got a lot of gimmies, it seems like. It seems like it. But, again, to that point, to me, as good as Oakland has been, their their roster is, it's Oakland, right? Oakland's always been good with really, really weird, bad-looking rosters. <laughs> like so Trevor Cahill's their one right, right now. Edwin Jackson's pitching for them. Yeah. Um, Former you know, they got, everybody. They got Canha in center field and – um steven piscotti leading off hey piscotti's good he is he is but um so you know it's like it's it's a weird team that i don't necessarily trust now i, I trust the a's because the a's always chris davis they always do this but much better chris davis <laughs> but i don't trust this roster necessarily matt chapman is getting hot again as at third base but he went ice cold for over a month earlier in the year where he was hitting like 070 I don't trust Matt Olson. Both of those guys hit a bunch of homers last year, and they have not been as power heavy this year uh, for the A's. So that's that's. I just want to throw that out there as a thought that if the Mariners go back to playing how they did a couple weeks ago and earlier, and they get Cano back, they do get Cano back on Tuesday, um, which at this point is huge. Now we assume <laughs> maybe non-roided up Cano is going to be bad though. We don't know, yeah. but. Uh, if they can, if they can get out of this little funk here, get a win or two, get some good, good, some good vibes going, and the A's stop playing 700 baseball, and they go back to playing, even if it's like 580 baseball, they're still over 500, then I think the Mariners have a chance to come back in this wild card race. I do, I do, I absolutely do. So let's take a break. Coming up next, I want to go into the Mariners a little bit outside of just that positive thought. Um, the bullpen moves the Mariners made in the day at the deadline. Not working out so well yet. So that's next here on the Hot Corner on the Fan. This is the Hot Corner with Harrison Lynch on 1080 The Fan. Better you today. Text lines 55305. A's fan is in. Two of them. P1 Raymond. But Mike, the A's have been a hot second half team ever since the inception of Moneyball. True telling you how my gut feels right now guys that's all i just i don't trust the a's i don't i don't trust the the current makeup of the team this one says i'm laughing out loud just remember lynch when you come back from vegas the a's will have a two-game lead on the yanks in the wild card <laughs> i mean sure maybe but i doubt it <laughs> i doubt it yankees are playing well again after that red Sox series and again, I have to I say I mean, they're playing it, the White Sox, but they're winning, so. I have to say it because I like how it makes you uh, nervous. I would love to see the A's climb back and jump those Astros, and then the Astros get healthy enough for the one-game wild, wild card against the Yankees. 
Mike, don't sit there and say nothing. What are you talking about? You know you'd love to see that. <laughs> no. I mean, some great ratings for baseball. Absolutely not. Bring a lot of eyes to the wild card game. Oh, I didn't know that they did this. A one-game wild card. This is amazing. Oh. Absolutely not. Add a bunch of eyes, young uh, baseball fans to the game. That's You want the Yankees in the wild card game. Absolutely not. I mean, well, the, gonna the Yankees be. <laughs> are going to be in the wild card game, but not with the – don't give me the Astros, okay? You, you want a good opponent. No. No. We don't As a Yankee Yan- fan, I don't want the best opponent. We don't want Yankees A's, Yankees Mariners or anything. I'd much we rather have either Astros. of those than Yankees well, Astros. Of course you would. We were literally saying in the commercial how atrocious that uh, the A's lineup is, but somehow it's not because they're winning. Also, to counteract that point, if we're going to do looking ahead in schedules, <clears throat> Yankees upcoming series. What, like eight games against the Orioles in the next two weeks? No. Well, so they just played the White Sox, right? This is a three-game series. They're up 7-3 in the eighth inning. Four against the Rangers. One game against the Mets, a rain makeup. Rays, Blue Jays, Marlins, O's, White Sox, Tigers, all in a row. <laughs> are you kidding me? So. What's the you sure Red the A's so- are going to be past the Yankees in a week? <laughs> so what's the Red Sox lead, though, on the Yankees nine, right now? Nine and a half. Okay, so. It looked that- if anything, things will be cementing themselves. <laughs> Over the next month and a half, and I, we'll With get that to this. schedule. The Yankees sure as hell should cement that first wild card. If we'll, we'll get to the Red Sox next, they're absolutely insane. But the Mariners, they added three relievers at the deadline: Tuivasa Lala, Zach Duke. That's not who that is. Is that isn't that the same Al- Tuivasa Lala? <laughs> oh, I thought that was the Alabama quarterback. <laughs> no, that's Tua Tuivasa or something. <laughs> I don't know. But no, it's uh, Sam Tuivailala is the reliever on the on the Mariners from the Cardinals. They added Zach Duke, lefty specialist from the Twins, and they added Adam Ward from the Yankees. And I think a lot of teams tried to do this if they couldn't find starters or didn't like the starters on the market. They basically said, "Let's get a lot of relievers, so that if our starters are only going four innings or five innings, we got a bunch of guys who can come in and still hold the lead." Um, so far, not so good for those three guys. Zach Duke today came in and gave up four runs in two thirds of an inning. Out of babe. <laughs> um, Tui Vailala just had a, has a strained Achilles and um, might be having to go on the DL if he has not already gone on the DL. And I, I've seen a couple of the Adam Warren appearances. He has not been very good for Seattle so far. Um, I'm just going to look to see if it's on the uh, ESPN site here. Yeah, three innings. And he has a nine ERA or two innings in a nine ERA in his first three starts or first three appearances. I warned John when that happened that Warren had not been pitching well. So there are three additions so far not doing so well, which is obviously not helping. One of their biggest concerns is their bullpen because outside of Colome, who has pitched well, uh, he was on like a 13 inning scoreless streak. And Sugar Diaz, Eddie Diaz, who's been great, their bullpen's been atrocious. And you, even though these three names weren't exactly top line guys, you thought, hey, those are better than the, who they have now. They'll be able to solidify the middle of the bullpen. Maybe true still, but so far, not so good. Also, they've stopped hitting, which is part of the reason why they haven't been winning, obviously. Outside of Nelson Cruz hitting bombs, no one else is really doing much. And uh, it's just been, it's been bad. Yeah, so besides today, putting up seven 
four runs, four runs, six runs, one run, two run, three run, three run, two runs, two runs, and then eight runs against the Angels about like a week and a half ago. Five runs, three runs, three runs, three runs, two runs. So we're we're seeing a theme here. Yeah, they've been having trouble, especially with runners in scoring position, and it's not helping that their bullpen has been pretty iffy. Zero since, runs, uh, one run, three one. <laughs> it yeah. just keeps going, and it goes to the point in the question that we asked a lot of times early in the season because the Mariners had the the one game or sorry the one run game record that where they were like twenty games over five hundred when they were in one run games. Right. Uh, we were saying, is that good or is that luck? And in the beginning, I said it was good. It's really, really hard to win that many close games. It's great. Um, and I, I also was of the opinion that that's good for setting you up for a potential playoff wildcard game or a series because you're used to playing close games. But when you look at it now and you see that the run differential is plummeting and is currently at minus 29, um, you go, maybe it was just dumb luck. Or, yeah. I mean, I guess the safe answer is it was a little bit of both, but it makes you with that kind of a run differential, you go, and there's still 15 games over 500. You go, that's a little bit of uh, that's a little bit of luck right there. You know, I remember the Orioles a couple of years being like this. They were great in one run ball games, but the thing is, is they weren't dependent on it. They still had plenty of games where they put up 10 plus runs, were mashing home runs. So, yeah, it's nice to have them, but when that's the reason you are basically 20 games above 500 and that starts to wear off. Then you come back to reality in a sense. So, and in a, in a weird turn of events, the angels who are exactly 500, 58 and 58 plus 40 run differential. The A's are plus 40. No, the angels, angels. are plus 40. Interesting. A's are plus 57 uh, right above the Mariners at the moment, but it should, the Mariners are in a weird place right now. And uh it's it's le- it has less to do with the M's getting better and more to do with my lack of trust with the A's that I think they could certainly stick stick with it. But te- like I said in the beginning of last segment, teams go through bad stretches in August a lot. If the M's can get a couple of wins coming up to get some confidence back, this team is too good, especially offensively, too good to let this. Uh, kind of run continue the rest of the way tough schedule or not I think that that's important and we saw against the Astros in the last series against them that first game of the series when they when they blanked them you're like oh okay so it was a couple of bad series but you, you win the first game with the Astros you play really well there was kind of that positive vibe again but then the Astros do what the Astros do and they won the last two games of the series and I think if you can get that coupled with another win back to back that kind of a win like you had game one against the Astros back to back, maybe against a good team. Um, hell, maybe even against the A's in the next series, you play them. Then that's when the positive momentum will start to swing back. There was a lot of good vibes going in the clubhouse um, earlier in the season. Maybe Cano coming back will be helpful. I don't know. Uh, maybe because he was gone and D Gordon kind of took the reins as being the team leader. Now they can both coexist as team leaders because Cano was kind of the quiet Derek Jeter type team leader from what we heard. Uh, can either of them pitch? By chance, maybe Can either of them go seven strong. D Gordon, maybe the maybe. most likely candidate. He seems to be pretty uh, flexible. Cano doesn't have a position right now. Maybe he can be pitcher. Get they, those needles going, baby. They need a fifth starter. <laughs> that sound effect was really good, actually. I was like, "What are you doing?" Trying to get the oxygen out. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's kind of how I feel about the Mariners. They're struggling right now. They got a lot of issues that they didn't necessarily uh, deal with at the deadline, but I still think they have a good chance to make that wild card spot 
here, the second wild card spot here in the American League. All right, coming up next hour, we have fair or foul, of course. We want to look at some of the Mike Barrett responses as he took over the Portland Diamond Project Twitter today. But I'd like to start next segment with just how good your Boston Red Sox are. This is hot, the Hot Corner on 10 to the Fan. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 